Welcome to an emergency edition of Sixers Daily. I'm your host, Jazz Kang. Some terrible news coming down the pipeline regarding the Sixers. Joel Embiid now dealing with a fracture. It is a right orbital fracture suffered in game six, presumably on that play with featuring Pascal Siakam getting his elbow up. Also dealing with a mild concussion. Now, Embiid did have this injury before. Ended up missing about three weeks before returning with that mask on. But ultimately, man, this is a brutal loss for a team that looked ready to get things going and to make a run at a possible Eastern Conference final appearance. Joining me for this one, Jackson Frank Jackson. We just got the news from Shams coming down the pipeline on Twitter. What's your immediate thoughts to this occurring at this point and where do you think it puts the Sixers going into round two against Miami? Yeah. I mean, my, my immediate thought was just, was just sympathy for Joel um, more than anything, you know, a guy having the best year of his career stayed healthy through, you know, six months, seven months. And then he deals, he, he suffers a, a torn ligament in his thumb. And then eight days later, he suffers an orbital fracture in his face in a game that he was awesome. And the entire, the entire starting five looked really good. And as you mentioned, jazz, the team that looked, ready to at least, you know, make a strong push for that first Eastern Conference Finals appearance in 21 years. Um, and so just sympathy for him, all the things he's dealt with, you know, injury-wise and throughout his career and, you know, playing the best basketball of his career, just, you know, just sympathy more than anything. And um, you just hope that, you know, as you mentioned, the timeline is pretty wide and you just hope for his sake that it's as short as possible and, you know, is he endures the least amount of pain as possible. But yeah, just... Just my brain went to him more than anything. It just, it just guy has been through a lot in his career health wise. And, you know, it could seemingly kind of figured things out and now just can't, can't catch a break at this point, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's, you know, the, the downside to all this is the guys dealing with the thumb injury, you know, dealing with the torn ligament there, just gutting it out, had the meniscus injury last season. Uh, like I mentioned before, he had the orbital fracture on the left side. That was back in March of 2018 did return at three weeks after surgery, but again, don't have that kind of time right now going into this series against the Miami heat. Looking at this right now, he could miss a week. He could miss the entire series. We don't know yet. Hoping to get some more news from the Sixers as we get into practice and through the weekend, but looking at this from a basketball standpoint, Jackson, your honest read on this, does this completely sink any chance Philly has to beat Miami in round two? I mean, it just, it just, it honestly just depends on what the timeline is. You mentioned that it could be a short week, which would mean that he misses two games. Um, you know, if you, cause they play Monday and Wednesday for those first two games, then game three is Friday. So he missed a week. It would be, he, he missed Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Um, there's, there's a full week for you. If you're listeners, there you are um, in, in three seconds. But um, if he misses three weeks and obviously that's the entire series. So yeah, I don't think we have a chance there, but um, you know, they Matt Tyrese Maxey's shown a capability to explode in big games without, without Embiid this year. If they're able to split, you know, in Miami and he only misses two games or only misses three somehow, um, then I think they can still come back down from 2 1 or, you know, I think 2 0 is tougher. But, um, yeah, I don't think they can survive more than three games without him. I think even three is pushing it. Um, and obviously, you want him back as much as possible because, as we talked about, you know, yesterday, Jazz, I think. Embiid is kind of the, you know, obviously he's the linchpin of this defense, but especially with the tactic that I was talking about, about running these shooters off the arc and funneling them to a Joel, you can't funnel them to a Paul Reed or DeAndre Jordan or Paul Millsap who was playing the five like you can Joel. So, and then of course, you know, the offense, just given everything he he offers there is, you know, kind of Im implied at this point. So it just, it just depends on the timeline. We don't know the timeline. I know that 
Kyle Newbeck of, of Philly Voice was reporting that it doesn't seem like at this point he's going to need surgery, which is obviously a, a big plus because um, you know, when he missed three weeks four years ago, he, that was because he was out with he was out with surgery or recovering from surgery. So um, at the very least, that's positive. But you know, the initial report from Sham saying that there's no timeline or timetable for his return is not positive. So I don't know what to make of it, but I think you lean a little bit more positive. But just because he doesn't need surgery doesn't mean he could return, right? The series is only gonna last two weeks at most. So you know, if if, it, if the Sixers somehow forced a game seven, right? So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think that the, the lack of a timetable is not ideal, but the lack of surgery is positive. But again, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to return because no surgery maybe means not three weeks, but three weeks is well beyond how long this series would last anyway. Yeah, and 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 just reading the and again, I'm not a medical expert, but just from what I know, from what I've read online, is orbital fracture. If you do get surgery, you're still looking at two to three weeks. So again, they don't have that because we know they're basically playing every other day. I think the only time they get the two day break is between what would be game six and seven. Uh, yeah. Looking at this from, sorry, go ahead, Jackson. No, I was just yeah, I was saying the only time there's it's every other day besides between game six and seven. If you even got to that point without him being if he didn't play. Yeah, and and so again, I mean they're their backs are against the wall and we've seen this and you know after it was such a great day in philly in terms of what happened with the sixers finishing off the raptors the eagles got aj brown and then you get this coming down the next day so i know a lot of sixers fans are are bummed about that but looking at this now do you think it's going to be paul reed getting the start in his in his position at this point i i think they'll go with with yana jordan honestly just be like which i'm not necessarily advocating for but i think doc at times at least last year with dwight howard after the first few games that Joel missed, he started to start, he began starting Tony Bradley. Um, and a lot of coaches lose that because if you bring, if you put the third string guy into the first string role, then you still allow for that backup to play his similar role. Whereas if you bring the second string to first string and then third to second, you're reshaping everyone, two guys roles. Right. So um, I would expect John Jordan to get the start, but it's not something I would advocate for. Obviously I think Paul Reed's a better option, but um, you're not in a good spot either way, of course. So, um, it feels a little frivolous, but, um, you know, either guy playing extended minutes is not ideal, but obviously Paul Reed, I think at this point, from what we've seen of each guy, he is clearly the better option to play extended minutes, you know, 30, 35, but, um, the issue with Paul Reed, as we've noted, you know, is he fouls a lot and it wasn't, it wasn't an issue when he, he plays 10 to 15 minutes, but if you ask him to play 25, 30, then you start to run with some issues. So, um, I guess issues is my, my hot button word here, but, um, yeah, that's where I would go, but I expect to see Donna Jordan, even if it's not what I would do. And looking at this, how important is it, Jackson? Now, uh, Joel, you know, James Harden, a max player, top 75 of all time, Tyrese Maxey, how good are those guys going to have to be on the offensive end just for the Sixers to even have a chance to maybe steal one in Miami? Yeah, you're going to see Harden play with the same level of burst that he had in game six, where he's getting downhill consistently. And, you know, he, I think he hit a step back three as well you're going to see you know, Tobias Harris be that, that same level of quick shooter off the catch and driving physically to the rim. Um, Tyrese Maxey finding every chance he can to get out and run. Um, you know, so as we mentioned yesterday, fortunately the, the heat are not a huge offensive rebounding team. So maybe that should, you know, open up a little more opportunities on the break. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's going to require those three to more than anything else. Like, I mean, those, you know, it's not fair to them. It's like, it's not fair to them, you know, of course, but, um, for this team to go where it wants to go, as long as Joel is out, you know, if he's out at all, um, it requires those three to be really good. And I think they can be, uh, you know, obviously we saw the, the Sixers win, you know, against Miami a couple of weeks or a few weeks ago when both Harden and Embiid sat out, but the regular season is a very different context in the playoffs, of course. So um, we'll see, but yeah, the, the pressure falls on them. And like I said, it's not fair, 
to them necessarily to ask them to play a, a totally different role without the the MVP big man or MVP candidate big man in the middle. But um, that's the way it goes sometimes. So we'll see what they're capable of. And um, you know, it's 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 like I said, it's going to be you know all up to them really more than anything else. Yeah, and, and and looking at this, you know, they might be able to surprise Miami in game one. The Heat not gonna, you know, they're obviously scouting and preparing to play the Sixers as they have been since Philly eliminated Toronto uh, yesterday. But now looking at this now, maybe, maybe the the Doc Rivers and the coaching staff can come up with a good game plan, at least try and get one game in in Miami where you're getting to game three or four, where it's or game four, let's just say if you're down two-one would be a must-win. But again, so much speculation. We don't know any of this yet. I'm just looking at the play itself. Jackson, did you think it was dirty at all by Siakam to to raise his elbow like that? Or did you look at it as if it was just a basketball play? And for those of you who don't know, uh, Pascal Siakam getting, ended up getting the elbow up on Joel. The officials originally called it a defensive foul on the and one went back and reviewed, called Siakam for the offensive foul. So really that play was just completely nullified. But looking at it now, did you find it to be non a non-basketball play at all? No, I mean, Siakam is a guy that obviously we know throughout the series likes to play physically when he attacks downhill. Um, at, at worst, I just thought maybe it was a frustration play. I, I didn't think by any means there was any malicious intent. I know it, it occurred right after Joel, you know, I think had a big dunk and then it is classic airplane celebration that dates back a few years, you know, to the, the previous Raptor series. But at worst, I thought it was a frustration play. But my, my view is I just think he was driving and he was both team starters until in and he was going to play to the final whistle until he was subbed out. And, you know, unfortunately he made, he made contact with, you know, with Joel's face. And I think those two have a really like, you know, off court relationship. I'm pretty sure we saw like Siakam apologize post game and Joel forgive him for it. So by no means do I think it was malicious, I guess at best, or I guess at worst to me, it was, you know, a play where he was just frustrated with his team season ending and he wasn't taking a cheap shot. He was just trying to make a good hard drive and, you know, things happen. So um, that's the way I view it, but it's just a bummer that both teams starters still. I don't, I don't blame one coach to the other, but it just, just, it just felt weird, right. That, Four minutes left. Both teams, you know, a twenty-seven point game. They're, both teams still have their starters, and so I'm not blaming anyone, but um, it's just an unfortunate occurrence that it, it happened then, and it happened with both teams, you know, still playing their starters. So um, that's how I view it, and I just, you know, it just you just wish it didn't happen. But um, you know, I, I can't, I can't blame you know anyone in particular. Sometimes these things just happen, and there's no one to really single out you know for this for these injuries yeah and, and it, I, again i'm with you i don't think it was malicious by siakam obviously got his elbow up not something you see every day but i'm with you i mean we've seen pascal siakam be super aggressive that's his game and just got his elbow up at an unfortunate time saying that though we'll wrap up on this jackson should joel have been out there with the sixers up 29 with four minutes left you, you've seen some of these takes on on twitter now where people are saying why would he be out there i've noticed that throughout this season that whenever the Sixers were up a little big, I would look at the clock sometimes and wonder why are the starters or why are these prominent guys out there with three minutes left and you're up by 20? How do you sit in, in terms of Doc's decision-making for leaving those guys out there with such a big lead and such a little time left on the clock? Yeah, I I, I can't blame Doc. I mean, we saw this team blow two 20-point leads in the second half last year. Um, and so, and like I said, Nick Nurse still has his starters in, you know, Pascal, you know, is their best player and he was in the game and that's for the, the instant it occurred. So, um, it, it's just unfortunate that both teams still have their starters and I can't blame doc individually because, you know, like what happens if he takes him out and, you know, Pascal rattles off 10 points in, in a minute and a half, and then it's down to 17. And I guess, yeah, still 17 points, two and a half minutes to go is not, you know, a totally, you know, a totally comfortable deficit to have, but, um, I can't blame either side. Like I said, it'd be one thing if, the Raptors away the white flag and Doc, you know, waited one more, you know, timeout or, or dead ball to, to take the guys out. But both teams have their guys in. 
And that's just the way it goes sometimes. So I understand if fans or otherwise, you know, fans or other people feel differently. But for me, it's like both teams have their main guys in still. And the deficit was a lot or the deficit advantage was a lot. But I just I can't single out one side for that when both of them were still kind of trying to play till the final whistle at that point. Yeah. And again, Jackson, this is just unfortunate news, a very deflating for, for the Sixers and, and the fans in general and, and for the NBA. And if you're a basketball fan, just, you know, whether you're a Sixers fan or not, uh, having one of the best three to five players in the NBA not participating is brutal. And, and so looking at this, we're going to have to see how the Sixers adjust. Doc Rivers has to show his coaching chops and we're going to have see if they're going to be able, like I said, at least steal a game in Miami. Uh, Jackson, I know we did an emergency pod here. I want to thank you for joining me on short notice. Uh, I'm sure we're going to talk again in the next week as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure we'll, we'll have some stuff to break down. Hopefully it's a little more, <laughs> hopefully it's ros- way more rosy than this. Even if it's a Sixers loss or whatever it is, uh, it, it can't be worse than this, you know, for Joel's sake. So um, yeah, I, you know, I, I usually say that these, I always end these with always happy to talk, but well, it's not always the happiest thing to talk about, but I look forward to our next conversation and I, I know it'll be less dour than, than today's. Well, we're hoping so. So, I mean, we'll, again, we'll, we'll see what happens. And, and for those of you, we don't know the timeline yet recording this literally 15, 20 minutes after, after the news came down. So we'll get more news on the Joel front. We don't know how long he's going to be out. We don't know if it's going to be three weeks. It could be a week again, lots remaining to be, uncovered but for what we know at the time looking like joel at least out for games one and two that'll do it for this half of sixers daily that was jackson frank you can catch his work at libertyballers.com and as i mentioned as always don't forget to subscribe to us as well we'll have you covered throughout the rest of the sixers playoff run 